Dreams. Everybody has dreams. We all have different sorts of dreams. We have those weird pizza late at night dreams before we've gone to bed. We just wake up and go, ah, what was that? You know, it's just, it's like you're thrown up in your brain or something. <laughs> it's just, there's just this mess going on. We have sometimes, <laughs> there's dreams that are like nightmares where you're just, uh, you just wake up and you're just so drained of emotion because there's just these things going on in your brain. Then we have dreams, we, we talk about witches as dreams, like the big boat you've always wanted or the flash house, etc. And then there's, there's the hopes of your heart. There's those dreams that, that we all sort of somehow understand when somebody says, I have this dream, and we know what they mean. And it's not any of those other things, but there's just something deeper. There's something there. You know, this, this dream, we've all had them. We've all started with them. Most of us had them when we were kids. And I know I've talked about this sort of thing before where there's just something that God puts in us because that's the way he made us. And we have this dream, we have this, this essential something. And yet, somewhere along the line, we lose it. Something happens. Something puts out the fire. You know, those dreams are an essential part of us. They're an essential part of what God made us to be. They're an essential part of who we are. They're part of our DNA, if you like. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we read, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we often hear that quoted, and I often hear people say, Oh, yeah, but that was for Israel. Okay, well, good, because... That doesn't really make much difference. God put it there for a reason. In fact, very few of us are mentioned by name in the scripture. Okay, very few of us have actually got it to stay. At the beginning of Genesis, it says, Hoy, Bert, Stan, whoever you are, Bob, Mary, Ted and Ellis, it doesn't say, read this, this is for you. Because God put this here for all of us, for every one of us. So certainly, we need to read things in context sometimes. We need to look at who God is actually talking to to get an understanding of the passage. But that doesn't ever make it any less relevant for us. And particularly as we read scripture from time to time, we'll read a passage and it just grabs our hearts. That's there for you. When you read a passage and all of a sudden the adrenaline starts pumping, your heart rate goes up and you start getting all choked up and it just seems like those words are leaping off the page, that's because God put it there for you. Now, the context of when it was written might have been entirely different. It doesn't matter. Those words are there for you. This is the primary way that God speaks to us with certainty. Okay, we listen to the Spirit. We listen to the moves of the Spirit. We listen to our leaders. We listen to, to wise counsel. We read books. All these things help to reveal the nature of God to us. But the Word of God is his primary contact, his primary message, his primary instruction, his primary revelation of himself to us. So when you read something and it seems like it's for you, be encouraged because it is for you. We have a purpose. We are created for a reason. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are Christ's ambassadors. It's very easy to forget sometimes 
and think, well, you know, I'm just somebody who turns up every Sunday morning and I try to do the right thing, but, you know, I'm never going to get to go to Bible college or I'm never going to do this and I'm not going to be big and famous in the Christian world or achieve great things. That, that's not what Scripture tells me. We just read the plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. Every one of us is an ambassador for, for, for Christ. Every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. And the Lord has a plan for us. And part of that plan, as I said, is like our DNA. It's encoded, it's, it's within us. And part of that is what we carry often just from childhood we become aware of it. And we think, oh, I've always wanted to do that. We see somebody doing something and we think, oh, you know, your heart just aches. And you think, I wish I could be doing that. That comes from that deep-seated dream that God has placed in your heart. That comes from what God has put there for you to achieve. That's your calling. That's your commission. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we often read, well, we often hear part of that verse quoted, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly, or more abundantly, just depending on which, which uh, version you're reading. But the first half of that verse really gives us an insight into why Jesus had to tell us that. Why did Jesus have to come and give us life to the full? Because a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes to steal your dreams, to kill your hopes and destroy your life to destroy your ministry, to destroy your walk with the Lord. He wants to do whatever he can to neutralise you because if you follow God and if you are true to the dreams that he put in your heart, then you are a powerful weapon in this war. And he knows it, even when we don't. And the enemy will always try and destroy it. And he will come and try and steal that. For many of us, he's already been, he's already stolen, He's already killed and he's already destroyed. But there is encouragement. All is not lost. I want to share a couple of passages with you. No, I won't yet. I'll share a bit of a story with you first. A couple of people in particular. And scripture is full of examples like this. But just two brief ones in particular. Moses. Because we all know Moses. We all know all the stories about Moses and what a, what a cool dude he was. Moses was pretty much a total failure <laughs> up to a point. Moses was all full of his own importance. He finally realised that dream. He finally got a sense of who he was when he found out that he was, one, he was an Israelite. Woohoo! I'm an Israelite. I've got something to do now. I've got a cause. I've got a purpose. He was a bit like a uni student charging off at windmills, etc. All of a sudden, he was full of energy and excitement and enthusiasm because he found direction for his life. And he went out and killed the Egyptian guard and basically folded like a house of cards and did a runner and bolted and spent 40 years in the deserts of Midian looking after sheep, the poor beggar. I spent 12 months looking after sheep. And I learnt my lesson. God won't send me back there again ever, I pray. But he had, <laughs> he had 40 years of sheep. Surprisingly enough, he survived relatively sanely. And he came into his own. God rescued him out of that. 
Because ultimately, when he answered God's call, when, he, when God confronted him at the burning bush, Moses listened to that call. He took back what the enemy had stolen from him. And he became a faithful servant of God. And we know what mighty deeds God was able to do through the leading of Moses. Every one of us has within us that same calling. Every one of us can be a Moses in our own field of influence, in our own family. Every one of us is just as important. It might not be the same as Moses because God has a plan for each and every one of us to do different things. There's an individual call on all of our lives. But the thing was, God turned it around. There is hope. Scripture tells us that God is able to redeem the lost years. Don't give up hope. The other person I want to talk about is Samson. Yeah, Samson was a bit of a cool dude. He was looking after Israel. Israel was in a lot of trouble because they were subject to the Philistines at that stage. And Samson was a, a strapping, muscular, good-looking young man like myself. And, uh, but, but that was a problem for him because he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't know what to do with all that. He didn't behave himself. And the enemy tempted him. And he went and mucked around in Philistine and he, he decided that he liked Philistine women and he let his game down. And ultimately the story we're most, we're most common with was the time where Samson hooked up with Delilah. He thought she was all that in a bag of chips. And she flattered him and looked after him and, and we read how ultimately she got the, got the truth from him and found what was, what was the secret of his strength. And she had him lying with his head in her lap. And she was combing his hair and soothing him. And he was just oblivious. And while he was there, feeling secure and just enjoying the company of Delilah, his strength left him because she cut his hair. And everything that he was supposed to be in the Lord was gone. He'd lost it. He was weak. The enemy came against him and all of a sudden he was roused. Delilah said, Samson, wake up. The Philistines are coming. And he jumped up thinking he was going to get rid of them like he always had done. But he'd lost it. The dream was gone. The strength was gone. He'd given away his birthright. He was literally in bed with the enemy. How often do we do that in our own lives where we just, we just succumb to the world? We get so involved in the world around us. We come in on Sunday mornings and get a bit of a recharge. And I'm not saying that we're not sincere. I'm not saying that we, we, we don't really want to follow the Lord, but we're in the middle of the world and there's so much going on and things are going one way or another with work and our careers are going forward or they're going back or they're not going at all or we don't even know what a career is. Yeah, things aren't just working but we just get so bogged down in all of that and particularly in our, our western society most of us have a job God's given us a job and the world comes along and says well now you can have this and you can have that and we end up with a flash car we end up with a roof over our heads we end up with at least three meals a day 
Most of us have got way more than we can possibly ever use or, or need. We're just so blessed and things are so good. And we just lie there with our head in the enemy's lap. And we're just soothed and calmed because life really is fairly comfortable. And we just forget that we have a calling. We forget the dream. And while we're lying there, thinking of nothing in particular because we just lulled into this false sense of security, the enemy has come and he's stolen our dream. He's killed our lives. He's destroyed our ministry. And we just lie there and sleep on. Well, wake up. The Philistines are coming. They're here all around us. We have placed in our hearts, each and every one of us, this massive calling, this brilliant task where God has not just said, I want you to do this, but he's equipped you to do it. Because where there is God's vision, there is his provision. He's equipped you for it. He's made you the way you are so that you can do this thing. Now, you might not have the strength or the resources or whatever, but again, if it's his will, it's his bill. He will look after that. But it's that thing, that spark within you is what God has called you to. The thing is, the enemy has come and he's stolen, he's killed and destroyed. Or he may have. He may have come. Maybe there's still a spark of life there in that. Maybe you even know what that is, but there's just something holding you back. I just want to share a couple of passages with you. And these passages are very important to me because I've been in this same situation so many times. So I'm not up here theorising or being academic or even pointing the finger at you because this is me. This is about me. This is about how the enemy steals from me. But God, on one particular point, one particular day, and I remember vividly this particular time, God showed me a passage, and I'm going to share this with you now. I call this my commission, but it applies equally to every one of you. I'm reading from Joshua chapter 1. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant, servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now that's encouraging and that's great. And at the time where God showed me that word, I was just about jumping out of my skin. In fact, I was at home, Kim was at work, and I rang her up and said, Whoa, I was just doing blah, 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 and explained the whole situation, and this is what God showed me. I rang my mum. She thought I was loopy, as usual. But uh, I was just so excited because this is for me. But time after time after time in the years since then, I realised that, okay, God might have used that verse, that passage, to really quicken something in my heart. But that's for all of us. 
That's for all of us. He has commanded us, be strong and courageous. He has given every one of us a battle to fight. He has given every one of us a calling. He has given every one of us a dream that he has placed in our hearts because that's the purpose for which he sent us, to be his ambassadors here on earth and to do his work. And all those various facets of that work are tied up in each and every one of us in our individual missions for God. So I was very excited about that. I thought that was just so wonderful. And I cruised along with that for a while. And when the initial excitement went down, surprise, surprise, the enemy came to steal, to kill and destroy. And I started to think, that can't be me. That's, I mean, there's lots of big flash people out there who do this, that, the other, and there's so many other things going on, and that's just, <laughs> that's just not me. And in fact, it started to seem a little bit ridiculous after a while, and I would read it and think, how could I possibly even look at that? Somewhere along the line, I realized and remembered the miraculous way God had shown me that passage, and I thought, there's got to be more to it. I can't just write it off. So I was praying about it and I said, well, God, how can it be me? This doesn't make sense. It can't be me. And I opened my Bible and right where I opened up, I started reading. Now, I had just just finished reading that passage that I just read for you in Joshua. And I know, even as I was reading it, for many of you, the enemy was already there taking that away. The enemy was already discouraging and saying, what does this mean? That's not for you. Although he probably wasn't speaking. He would have been speaking in the first person in the sense that the thought you had was probably, nah, that's not me. I can't do that. I can tell you now, that's not you that's giving you those messages. That's the enemy come to steal and kill and destroy. So even as these thoughts were going through my head, I asked God, what's it all about? Yeah, it can't be me. So I opened my Bible, just, you know, the random plonk method of divine inspiration. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just so unscientific. Um, and yet time and time again, I, I hear of people who are blessed. And in this case, I was really blessed because I was just praying. I was at a loss. I was struggling to understand, how can, God, how can you lay this on me? Because it doesn't make any sense. So having read that I am to be strong, to be encouraged, that I am to lead these people to do everything that God had told them. That God would always be with me. And I'm saying, <laughs> nah. And I open my Bible and I read, I took you from the ends of the earth, from as farthest corners I called you. I said, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be ashamed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you, and that includes the enemy that's trying to steal this from us anyway, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. 
I took you from the ends of the earth. From his father's corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. And that's the word for you today. God is telling you. He wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to reach out and find that dream. See, in the case of Moses, ultimately we see Israel moved out of Egypt and we see the miracles of the development of the nation of Israel that all came through God working through the faithfulness of Moses. Samson might seem like a bit of a dead end, but ultimately Samson turned his heart back to God. And ultimately, there was a bit of a dead end, I suppose, but Samson brought the house down. And, it, and the word tells us that he destroyed more Philistines then than he had in his entire life before. So ultimately, the victory was his. And he served the purpose that God had called him to. It's the same for you. God knows the plans he has for you. He will strengthen you. You are his servant. He has called you. He hasn't rejected you. And in all these things, he will be with you. He will strengthen you. But we need to turn back to him and stop listening to what the world is saying about us. We need to, as the old song used to say, we need to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us. So I just encourage you today and in your prayers and in your quiet times just to search your heart. And just ask God to show you, what's the dream? Where am I supposed to be going? What's this life that I have to take back? The enemy has stolen. He's killed it. He's destroyed it. But I want it back, Lord, because you have called me. Because I'm your servant. You haven't rejected me. I'm your ambassador here on earth. Give me that commission, Lord. Show me what it is. And then empower me to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just rejoice, Lord, that we are yours. Father, that we have your power and your support for us. Lord, that you are with us. Lord, that you hold us in your mighty right hand. That you strengthen us. You encourage us. And Lord, for everything you call us to, you equip and empower us. And so, Father, now we just give ourselves to you. We commit our way to you. We look to you, Lord, for guidance and strength. Father, be our light and encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.